Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's Bible study is entitled Creation or Evolution, Part 7. And we're going to be today in uh, Genesis chapter, I said uh, Genesis chapter 7 actually uh, is where we're going to be. Chapter 6 is the beginning of the description of the flood. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 7. And I told you last time we're going to be talking about the flood because it's extremely, obviously it's a, it's a huge, huge issue. It's a massive issue if... Um, a pivotal issue when it comes to dating rocks and uh, understanding fossils and uh, making a decision about evolution versus creation. Because I can promise you, if and and I would and no one would disagree with this. No no scientist of whether they're wholly bent on believing evolution or not would disagree that if there was a global uh, catastrophic flood in the recent past, it would absolutely skew all the numbers in all of our information, in all of our ideas and beliefs and conjectures about uh, how things got to where they are today. Uh, of course, you probably guess there's no if with me. The Bible says that I believe it, and I would strongly suggest uh, that you do the same. And I would strongly suggest that you undermine uh, your biggest problem is everything that's to the left of your right ear and to the right of your left ear. That is your biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. That's their biggest problem. We have way too high of opinion of what's going on between those two ears. And uh, the Bible describes you as sheep. You would be wise to understand yourself as such. The most important characteristic of sheep is that they are dumb. They do not know what's going on. They have to be led everywhere. They cannot protect themselves. They are the, um, the prey of the world. Everything eats sheep. And in this world, spiritually, you live in a spirit world, even though you're a, phys you're a physical creature, but you're also a spirit. You live in a spirit world full of wolves. And you're a sheep. And to not think that in that world you can be deceived is all the more adds to the fact that you really are a sheep. Just as, uh, you know, the best thing a sheep can do is know that it's a sheep. You can't get over being a sheep. You just are a sheep. I am a sheep. I'll never get over being a sheep. I'm a child. Never says I grow up. Child of God. Never says, I never become an adult of God. I'm always a child of God. And um, that, that's what we are in this world. And your enemies are far smarter than you. Uh, it's the, and again, the comparison is between a wolf and a sheep. There's just no comparison. The wolf has, has everything on the sheep. The sheep only has going for it is that it knows it's a sheep and knows it needs a shepherd. And that's a smart sheep. That's as smart as you can get. Otherwise, you know, sheep are dumb. So, so there you go. Cut you all down real good. <laughs> if, you'll, if you'll keep that concept, then, 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 you'll be, then you'll be more apt to listen when the shepherd speaks. Because when he speaks, he's not fooling around. Uh, he's telling you the truth. And again, it demonstrates how much dumber we are when we start to sit around and, and have a conversation about whether the shepherd really meant what he said. It's like, you've got no business having a conversation about what the shepherd said. Just do what he said. I don't have to like it. So anyway, brief introduction, and we'll get to our stuff here. Uh, let's pray together, though, before we do that. God, we are so grateful for a great winter together, grateful for the opportunity that we've had to, to listen to your word, an opportunity to minister to so many wonderful people from so many places, and, and, um, and be blessed as a result of that. God, we thank you for this ministry here at Island Baptist Church, and we pray you continue to cause it to flourish. You continue to cause it to be everything that you want it to be and hold us in, in your path, God. And we continue to be 
um, a ministry to, to people like these. And, and we thank you, God. We pray you bless this study in our ears and hearts and, and enable us to understand, God. I thank you that, uh, that you speak to us and that you use the giftedness within your body to do that. But ultimately, Lord, you're looking for a relationship, not, not through someone else to us. You're looking for a direct relationship with us. Lord, I thank you that we can come to you and say, God, I don't understand. God, I don't see. It doesn't make sense. And uh, you love it when we do. And uh, when, when it is right, you will explain yourself. And so we're grateful for that. Bless our time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time we were together, we looked uh, at the ages of old. Uh, we saw that two people's lifespans uh, span the entire period between... Uh, uh-oh. Where am I? Oh, I know what I did. That was Sunday. This is, oh, I changed the picture, honey. What do you think? You don't like that picture. I have been laughing so hard at these different uh, stand-up comedians who talk about being married, and it's always a man talking about, you know. And I told some of you ladies, you know what, some of you recently, you know, the guys in the, it's the classic thing, the guys in the, in the shopping with his wife and the wife holds up two shirts, which color do you like? And she says, he says, I like, you know, he says, I like that one. She says, well, I like this one. He said, okay, we'll get that one. He said, no, no, I want to know what you like. And uh, she kept going back and forth and like that. He said, which color do you like? Which kind do you like? He says, I'll tell you what I like. I like whatever gets us out of here the fastest. <laughs> That's a real man right there. I love him. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So, uh, here we go. So, we're back on the screen. Now, ages of old, we saw this last time, and, and just such a, just, just taking directly out of the Scripture, the ages, and lining them up, and just the credible things that we can, we can see as a result of that. Only two people's lifetimes span the entire period from the creation all the way to the flood 1,656 years later. It's not a, you're not missing a, you know, okay, so, they were, so it was a verbal tradition, as they say. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. I believe it was written tradition. Uh, the ancients had, had writing. Again, we, we are told that they didn't. By who? Nobody that lived back then. So we, we, are, we are told that, but why do you, you have to believe that? Because they can't prove that. And I'm of the opinion that they were way smarter back then. It goes, goes without saying. So, so you have a brain that you use at most 15% of. How did you evolve that? If you only evolve, if, if evolution is true, and you only evolve that which is necessary for your survival as a species, then how do you evolve a brain that you only use 15% of? Well, it doesn't make any sense. It should be way smaller. And maybe for some of you it is. <laughs> I know it is for me, every day shrinking. But... If you lived a thousand years, you know, your brain capacity starts making sense. But your, your capacity at 15%, the smartest of us, storing only 15% of the, your hard drive up there, you lived a thousand years, you had a lot more stuff to put up there. You would have naturally been smarter. You're way smarter. You got, you've, you've tested and tried so many things after 900 years. I mean, if, if you didn't learn it by then... <laughs> Well, you know, so we saw this, 
Uh, Noah lives until Abraham is 60 years old, and Shem, the son of Noah, who was lived 100 years before the flood, is, uh, lives uh, all the way through Abraham's life and lives until his grandchildren, Jacob and Esau, are 50 years old. So you have this transmission of information over these massive ages that we just do not have the privilege of today. And boy, if we did, would it not shake out a lot of our issues? But, but uh, we don't have that. And uh, again, I conjectured, and it is conjecture, I can't prove it, but could it be possible that the long lives uh, also demonstrate long lives also within the flora and fauna, the trees, the, the, the animals, the plants, the fish, the everything? And what would that mean? Uh, Animals in general grow long. If they live longer, they grow bigger. And we asked one of our, our Yukon experts who've gone, gone now, but uh, what they kill, if you kill a 15-year-old moose, which, is a ma which would be a massive trophy, you're lucky to find a moose that old. I, I'm a whitetail hunter. I'm from Texas. We don't have anything else. An 11-year-old deer is an ancient deer. In fact, in mo most cases, they, they start degenerating after about nine years because they start losing their teeth because they eat gravel and stuff, and it wears their teeth down. But if you had a white-tailed deer, healthy, that lived 30, 40, 60, 80 years, they'd run the Boone and Crockett would just, you know, blow the top off of that thing. Uh, the, the thing that it would affect the most, and again, it, nobody would argue with this if it were true, and I believe that it is, if reptiles lived hundreds of years, because they grow. They continue to grow in length and girth. So, of course, we have in the geologic column, we have in the fossil record, massive reptiles. And current reptiles, like alligators, that were way, way bigger. How'd they get that big? It's a function of time. Again, I grew up around alligators. I grew up around the, the biggest lizards on the planet today, or alligators and crocodiles. I grew up am among them. And uh, a big alligator was always an old alligator. Just, just, it's just a function of time for them. Within reason, some alligators were bigger than others. It depends on what they had to eat. So, so long lives, possibly long lives for animals, could produce all these things. We saw the precision of God's word and the meaning of the names. And I laid them out there for you because some of you, I didn't lay it out. I don't think I put it out there last time, did I? So if they were any in order, they wouldn't work. Man appointed, mortal sorrow, the, adding the in two places. The blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing hope. How do you, how did Moses, who wrote this, if we're going to say you contrived it, come up with those names and put them in that order, you know, 1,500 years before Jesus. He's going to tip your hat to Moses, man, smart guy. Or it's someone, some, some other author is behind this putting it all together. Uh, all due respect to Moses, I don't think it was him. So we're going to be in chapter 7, like I said, in just a second. But I want us to switch gears here for just a second because I want to talk to you about a little dinosaur. His name is Joshy. There he is. Isn't he sweet? But Joshy the dinosaur has got four legs, but he's got a problem. And the problem is he's evolving. What's happening to him, according to evolution, is that the scales on his four legs are lengthening. And if you listen to what they say, they believe, you know, a, a reptile eventually over hundreds of thousands of, of mutations and millions of years went from an animal with four legs running on the ground to an animal with two legs and two wings flying, and it was the mutation of their scales and their four limbs and all this kind of stuff. And it sounds really cool, and you can just throw it all out there until you start thinking about it. And if you think about it, you realize, uh-uh. Here's why. So one of the principles of evolution that I do agree with, just simply because it's common sense, it's observable and repeatable, is survival of the fittest. 
If you're not fit, you don't survive. I mean, that's, you know, why, why do we, why do certain animals, why have certain animals passed away? Because they have real low, low reproduction. Uh, they, they have to reach a certain age to reproduce. They have to eat certain, certain plants and animals. And if they don't get that, they die. And so these are animals that we have to protect real closely because if things change just a little bit in their environment, poof, they're gone. Then you have, on the other hand, a coyote, which, will, which lives everywhere from the Arctic Circle to South America and eats everything, is eating our trash out here in the parking lot every night, possibly here on South Padre Island. And so what, that's a survivalist, man. They survive. Cockroaches. You're not getting rid of those things. Survival of the fittest. It's observable. It's repeatable. That's good science. The problem for evolution of the principle of survival of the fittest, which I said, like I said, is good science, is Joshi Dinosaur. Because Joshi up here is evolving. And that's a problem for him. It's not a good thing. You know, never has it been proven, proven, I say, that mutations are beneficial. If I told you that my wife and I had a child, God forbid, honey, right? Okay. Next year. Sabrina had a child. Where are you, Sabrina? She just, she's, she's what? In her, in her office listening. Okay. She sat out in the hall because she wasn't here this past because she became a grandma for the first time uh, last, last Tuesday, I believe. And, uh, but she sat out in the hall. I wasn't here last Tuesday because I had a baby. I'm like, okay, I'm spreading that one. <laughs> I'm spreading that one for sure. Sabrina had a baby. Um, but if, if we did, and I told you we had a child, but the baby has some mutations, what does that say to you? It doesn't say good. It never is. Our cat had some kittens, but three of them had some mutations. They're not going to survive. You know that. I mean, there is no such thing as a mutation that's beneficial. They've never been proven, I should say. You can, there's a lot of belief in it. But so, so Joshi is mutating, if you will. He is evolving. And that's all well and good, except for the fact that prior to this, he had four good legs. But now, because his front legs are changing, he only now has two good legs. The definition of survival of the fittest is that if something happens to this creature that makes it less viable, four legs, he was able to run down whatever he wanted to eat. Four legs, he was able to get away from whatever would chase him. Now he only has two good legs and two not-so-good legs. Guess what happens to Joshi and all of his descendants? They get selected against by natural selection because he's less viable. See, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. And by the way, he gets to be... His legs become bad legs for thousands of years before they ever become good wings. And poof, he's not survivable and he's gone. He becomes a part of history and not a part of the future. And so, so with that, hear uh, what our friend uh, Dr. Charles Darwin has to say. If it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed which could not possibly have been formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. He writes before microbiology, which by the way demonstrates, it, it totally agrees with what he said here. It totally wipes out all of his, all of his thoughts. So Again, why are we even having a conversation about evolution in a world where we claim to be smart and, and these guys claim to be scientists? Again, there is an agenda. And that agenda is, is that they do not want to submit to God, they do not want to believe in God, and they don't want to answer to God. And they will, they will believe any system. Again, as, as uh, my friend John MacArthur, he's my friend, I don't, he doesn't know me, 
would say. He said, if you love your sin enough, you'll do it. You'll do anything if you love your sin enough. You'll put up with anything. You'll, you'll accept anything. You'll believe anything. And that's, that's, uh, that is a great answer. So now we're ready for Genesis chapter 7. And we're going to start down in verse 6 and read through the end of the chapter. So I'm assuming you know this story, but we're just going to read it into evidence, right? So we've got it. Now Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the waters came upon the earth. Like I said, 600 years, and he lived 350 years afterwards. He was an old guy. 300, and, well, we had a, I forgot, 300-something. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth, and then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, so the total of eight, entered the ark because of the water of the flood. And of clean animals and animals that are not clean. And we're going to talk about how they got there possibly and why they came. And we're going to see that next time. So don't leave. I told you not to leave because we need you to cook lasagna. Didn't I say that? <laughs> of clean animals and animals that are not clean. Birds and everything that creeps on the ground. And there went into the ark Noah two, by twos, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came about after the, seven, after the seven days. So he shuts them up in the ark and they just sit there. And everybody walks around saying what, what idiots they are. And then something changes. That the water of the flood came upon the earth after seven days. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, that's the way the Jews reckon the calendar, so that you would read that about April or May. In the second month, in the seventh day of the month, uh, in, the in the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open. That's not that direction. That's from that direction. So... We, we think, well, if all the water came from up there, and a lot of it did, but not all of it did. I, and I, I might suggest, and I don't know because I wasn't there, I don't have any pictures, but most of it came from there. There was a massive amount of water because you had this system that God describes back in chapter 2. We saw it last time in which there was not a need for rain because there was some kind of pressurized sprinkler system, for lack of a better way to put it, in which the earth was watered and uh, was abundantly uh, covered with flora and fauna. So the fountains of the great deep, whatever reserves, reservoirs were down there, were down there, and there's still many of them down there. Most of us live off of water we pull out of the ground, don't we? So it's not like an unknowable thing. It's observable. We, we know there's water down there, but apparently there was a whole lot more at one point. Uh, the waters of the great deep burst open, and the floodgates of the sky open. So from down there and from up there, poof, here we go. And the rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And the very same day, Noah and Shem and Ham, Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah, Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, and all sorts of birds. And they went into the ark of Noah by twos, all flesh and which was, was the breath. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh entered as God has commanded him, and the Lord closed it behind. And then the flood came upon the earth for 40 days. And the water increased and lifted, upon, lifted up the ark, so that it rose above the earth. And the water prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the water, and the water prevailed more and more upon the earth, so that all the mountains, high mountains, everywhere, under the heavens, it's global, were covered. And the water prevailed 15 cubits. A cubit's 18 inches, so you can do the math. Fifteen cubits higher, and the mountains were covered, and all the flesh that moved on the earth perished, and birds and cattle and bird, beasts and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind. So it's global, it's universal. Everything is getting killed. Every plant, every animal, every person, everything. 
of all that was on the dry land and all, the no all whose nostrils was the breath of life died. As if he needs to say it one more time, he just continues to have these, uh, um, what's, what's the word? I can't, can't even think of it. Uh, these universal terms, these uh, categorical terms, everything, all of it. All that was on the dry land, all whose nostrils was the breath of life, uh, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing. Here we go again, categorical. That was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things to birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth. And only Noah was left, together with those who were with him in the ark. And the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. And so we have the account of the Bible. And of course, we're, there's, there's more in chapter 8 and there's more in chapter 6, but we're not going to... Uh, go there. I just I want us to deal with what we what we have in front of us. So chapters in seven chapters we have two of the most controversial things that are in the scriptures. One is a six day, twenty four hour consecutive twenty four hour day creation, and the other one is a global catastrophic flood. Two two hotly debated topics uh, in our world today, and of course uh, denied by anyone who holds the position of evolution because you can't believe in evolution and believe the same. They, they just simply are not agreeable. They just simply aren't. You have to pick one. We're going to be dealing with the teachings and implications of the flood, uh, but, you know, uh, was there really a flood? Is there really evidence? Well, you would think so. I mean, the flood happened in time. There were people who existed prior to the flood. The people existed after the flood. The flood was an event that take, took place over more than a year uh, total from the time they got on the ark to the time they got off the ark. You would expect that these, if it was a global and catastrophic, that the, the evidence would be prolific, and that's exactly what you find. Uh, we, we find evidence of this biblical event more prolific than any other event in the Bible, or I should say history. Tremendous. To deny the flood is to really, really skew. Uh, you're going to have to really eliminate uh, unbelievable amounts of evidence. So let's consider if the, what we would expect to see if there was a flood. The majority, of course, of opinion in academia today is that there indeed was a flood, but that it was local like the tsunami of 2000, what was it, 2004, uh, the, the tsunami in Japan, 2011. There were local catastrophic floods that flooded and wiped out certain regions and certain peoples and things and killed all the animals and all that. But they were local floods. Um, and, and that's what's uh, generally accepted. The, the problem they have with that is we're going to see is going to be the evidence, and not the least of which is that, uh, well, first of all, let's just confirm that the Bible does say it was, the Bible definitely does say it was not, not, uh, not local. It was universal. Notice, uh, here's Peter uh, as an example. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lust. And this describes your evolutionists and your atheists for you right there. They're mockers. Who is God? We don't even believe in him. I don't, they have no fear of God. The Bible says, what does that turn you into? You know what that turns you into? A fool. That's exactly what happens. Even though they did not know God, they did not acknowledge him. Even though they knew God, they did not acknowledge him. And they became futile in their speculations. Their foolish hearts became dark. In profession to be wise, they became fools. The, the, a real fool is a person who doesn't think they're going to answer to God, doesn't think God exists. So that's what these people are. Mocking, following after their own. Notice why they do it. Because they love their sin. I, I, I like to say this, and I'm not sure, all my, everything I say that's brilliant came from some other preacher, I can promise you that. But some, I have no idea who said it, but if it's brilliant, and it, I think it is. He says, people don't have an intellectual problem with the Bible. They have a moral problem with the Bible. 
people tell you there's contradictions in the scripture, you automatically know that person's never studied it. They may have even read it through even not even one time. They speak very proudly and very confidently about stuff they know nothing about. Because there isn't contradictions in the scriptures. They don't exist. I mean, if you follow the rules of, of interpretation, you'll find that you still have to believe it. But it's a very, very good document. Very solid document. So they don't have intellectual problems. They have moral problems. They want to they keep their morality. Follow their own lusts, so we got to get rid of God. At least so that I don't feel guilty. Uh, you know, of course, you can't. You only get over it until you die, and then you go back to realizing you're wrong. Saying, where is this promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue just as they were from the beginning. A basic principle again. Here we have evolution demonstrated. We have mockers. We have people that, they're, why do they choose these crazy things when a, when a half-witted Baptist preacher can stand up to you and explain to you how it doesn't work that way if you just kind of have common sense? And yeah, they're smarter than you, but you're not dumb. Neither am I. One of the, one of the basic tenets is everything has always been the same. Nothing has changed. The earth and its crust is moving apart at a certain inches per year, and it's never been any different. They can say that to you. They can't prove it to you. They can't prove you really anything from the past because they weren't there. They don't know. They believe this stuff, like I said, and they're welcome to believe whatever they want to. But one of the things they believe is that nothing has changed. Everything as it currently is, the current rates of evaporation, the current rates of rainfall, the current rates of coastal movement, the current rates of mountain building and, and erosion and all that has always been the same. They can't prove that. But again, here, one of their tenets, numerous tenets, right here, just in two verses here in Second uh, Peter. But, but so, so here's what, that's what Peter says, and then listen to the next thing he says. For when they re maintain this, that everything has stayed the same and nothing has changed and there's not been any kind of big events in the past. It's as we see it today is the way it's always been. It escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which, that is by water, the world at that time was destroyed being flooded with water. Again, Paul was not an evolutionist and he was not a person who did not believe the scriptures. He believes exactly the way it was written. And I would suggest you do the same. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction. Again, it's predicated, or the, the prototype of what God's going to do in the future is based upon what he's already done in the past. He wiped out everything and everybody in the past. I mean, on a scale of, well, when you start looking at the evidence, you start thinking, he was really mad. Because when it says he wiped out everything, I mean, brother, sister, he wiped out everything. We live on top of a sedimentary graveyard of millions upon millions of plants and animals and people who died in the past in a massive event. The evidence is prolific. Let's see if we can show you some of those things. What should we expect? What should we expect? Uh, again, Jesus predicates also his, his ministry. Oh, back up there. Jesus predicates his ministry on, on uh, the, the reliableness of the flood. He says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. They were all, he says, taken away, so they will be all taken away when he comes. What should we expect to see if there was a global catastrophic flood? Well, number one, we should expect there to be strong historical evidence. So we've got the Bible, that's history. I totally agree with you. But 
what if the Bible is the only thing that said there was a flood and no, none of the other ancient, there's many, many uh, in the world, ancient civilizations that still exist today, ancient traditions. But in fact, you, you find that almost all of the ancient civilizations and ancient traditions held to a global catastrophic flood. Again, quote-unquote scientists say, say they were all liars and dumb back then, so we're all smart and not dumb. They were all liars and, and, and manipulated the facts, so we don't do that today. Hmm. You really live in that kind of pipe dream? Aren't we over that now? Don't we know that we're, we redact history and we take, you know, the winners to get to decide how the history goes kind of thing? And now that the evolutionists have been winners, it seems they've changed all the history. We've let them. Again, all their craziness has gone unchallenged. When you look at these ancient traditions, you find in beliefs, you find many, many, many held the same position as the Scriptures, a global catastrophic flood. In fact, some of them held traditions that were very similar to the Scriptures. We're going to see one of those. The Persians, the Indians, the Burmans, the Indonesians, the Tahitians, out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The Hawaiians, out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The Chinese, the Japanese, the Siberians, the Australians, the Alaskans, the Incans, high up in the Peruvian mountains. All cultures with a global flood as part of their traditions. They, they were vastly separated from each other. So how did they come to the same conclusions? No, like I said, they were, you know, they all say, oh, they were just dumb back then and we're smart today. Hmm. I just have a problem with that. The Aztecs here in Mesoamerica, uh, not only did they have a tradition that said there was a global uh, catastrophic flood, but they also say, according to their traditions, that it was only 1,716 years from the time that God created the first two people until the flood came. The Bible says, according to the ages that we added up there, that the flood came 1,656 years. The difference between Mesoamerica's dating and, and the Near East dating is only 60 years. That's just a great, great bunch of guessing. Or they're related to each other, one or the other. You decide. You should expect historical evidence, and there is strong historical evidence. You should expect that population statistics would demonstrate in some way that we came from eight people 4,000, a little over 4,000 years ago. We've already been through that metric together, but I'll put it on the screen for you uh, briefly. Again, we're, we're a conservative evolutionary theory say that we've been here for at least 500,000 years. The problem with that is, is our current world's population. Why are we only now reaching 7.8 billion? We've been here for half a million years there should be way more people than this. You're expecting me to believe, again, just the math. If we've been here for half a million years, that we've only doubled in our population every six, over six, a little over 16,500 years. So we only went to two, from two to four every 16,000 years. That's nuts. Smoking the really good stuff over there is what they're doing. That's crazy, especially if they believe we're going to believe that. We only reach our current levels in 500,000 years. Oh, that's crazy. You do the math on that and, and do very conservative math, and I mean very conservative math. And I, I'm not sure why this is there because I don't know what I did with my slides. There we go. I'm going to have to go back to that other one or I won't. I put it in the wrong spot. So if, if we've... I'm not sure what... I'm not, I, I don't know what I was doing. So that should be 500,000, not 25,000. 
So I think it was 25,000 generations, maybe. Okay, so 25,000 generations, 500,000 years ago, times two and a half kids, if that was their growth rate. We know they had more kids in the past. At a, at a half a percent growth rate gives us one times 10 to the 2,000th power. That's a preposterous number. I mean, you could stack people on the planet like cordwood, fill up all the oceans, cover all the land masses, stack them out past the Earth's current atmosphere, and you're still not to that number. Stacking them on top of each other. Oh, well, that's too aggressive. Okay, well, let's cut the number in half. So one times 10 to the thousandth power. So we just stack them over the top of the mountains, and that's, okay, you're okay with that number? I'm not okay with that number. They're asking you to believe that. The math doesn't work. On the other hand, if you think that we've only been here four or 5,000 years, or I should say or some eight of our ancestors got off a boat four or 5,000 years ago, well, you don't have a problem with our current, current population. You're... you're your, your thinking makes mathematical sense. Theirs does not. Definitely does not. So we should expect there that the curse Earth's population would demonstrate that we got off, some of us got off a boat, uh, you know, between four and 5,000 years ago. A third thing, we should expect a vast amount of geologic evidence in the form of sediments and that these sediments would not be just local, they would also be global, and there would be global patterns. And that's exactly what we find. Uh, any geologist will tell you this. Uh, that's exactly what the world is a sedimentary graveyard. The average depth of the sediment is one mile. Like I said, I'm pretty sure he was mad. I'm pretty sure he was. I bury you a mile deep, I'm mad. He was mad. The average depth, so that means, you know, half of it is deeper than that, and half of it's not. Uh, you're sitting on top of a delta that's a mile deep here. Did you know that? Bedrock's a mile below us here. Almost at a mile. Yep. You're going to go down, dig down and hit bedrock? You're going to be digging. 75% of all rock on the planet is sedimentary. That is laid down by water, through water, not volcanic. That is, the other 25% is, is uh, from volcanism. 75% of the rock is sedimentary. Again, the evidence says, yeah, something, some kind of water system was putting down a whole bunch of dirt and moving it all over the place. Evidence demonstrates that this earth had forces being uh, enacted upon it that modern man has no sense of today. I mean, massive graves of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of animals that are all jammed together and all are fossils. What happened? Not one or two of these things. Not on one place on the planet and not on the other. They're everywhere. Anybody passing those fossils around? Anybody here not, not ever seen a fossil? We all have them, no matter where you're from. I, those came out of Texas. You don't think of Texas. Well, maybe you do think of Texas as being a rocky place. Colorado is almost all sediment. Wow, how did, how did, the, how did that little... Did, where is my little... Y'all are going to steal it, aren't you? Back there, David, did it go over here? Did y'all see it over on this side? The, the star... The, oh, there it is. How did that thing get up in Rocky Mountain National Park and stay the way that it is? I'll, I'm going to come get it. Have y'all been, have y'all had the privilege of picking up one of these off the beach? Have you found one of these? You don't see a whole lot of them here. Where I was from in East Texas, you found a lot more of them. Of course, you have a lot more people picking over. People don't come to where I, the beaches where I was from. But these things are very delicate. If they, they, they die and they wash up and they get pounded by the waves very much and they're pretty much gone. I mean, they're real, real soft and they're real, real delicate and the sun eats them up and everything. So this guy got in Colorado by being buried rapidly and being preserved. It, 
it couldn't have been exposed to the sun and to the air very long at all. Had to be buried rapidly, had to be put on under great pressure. It's limestone now. And those little shells, that you got those, you notice those are crystals now. Something put them under massive pressure and forced these minerals into them. By the way, uh, you, we've had fossils that have occurred in our lifetime. Mount St. Helens and its eruption created fossils. Did you know that? And within a week. So again, we've been sold this line that fossils only occur over millions and billions of years. And I just say baloney. Could they? Yeah. Do they have to? No. And I guarantee you, this guy wouldn't wait for millions of billions of years. He wouldn't even wait for 10 days. He'd be a goner. You have to put him. And these are everywhere. Not, I mean, I, this is the first one I've seen, but these are common. Shells are the most common fossils. Everywhere you go in Texas, we have shells everywhere. You shell, some of the best shelling is up in Fort Worth. But they're not shells anymore. They're stuff like this. But uh, Glen Rose and other places, and you have them all over your states, and I'm sure you're very familiar, and many of us have been... Uh, fossil hounds and love that kind of stuff. I know I have. I got a fish up there that just has all the delicate little bones. And I can tell you, a fish, you set out in the sun just for a day, those bones go away. It just turns into liquid. The thing was put under high pressure, buried very deep, removed all oxygen, and was kept there. What system is doing that? Again, the conventional explanations don't, really don't make any sense, and we're going to get to those. So you would expect the fossil preservation, like the kind of stuff that we, that we have here. If evolution was true, on the other hand, you would expect there would be, and we've been here for billions of years, you would expect there would be millions of species in the fossil record. So to go from a starfish to your Uncle John requires a lot of mutations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, there had to have been millions upon millions of species. And so we would expect if we, we dig down and look at all these fossil records and all these uh, sediment layers that we'd find with these sediment layers, again, we would expect, you should expect to find that. Guess what we find? Quarter million species. Many of which still exist today. Like I said, where's the beef in that? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It looks like we were, those things were buried recently. And, and here, here's, here's a story for you. So you should expect, instead of, as we find a quarter million species, but so when I say that the missing leaks are missing, I'm, what I'm saying by that, I'm saying like 25 million of them are, not 10. Like 99% of them are missing. They're asking you to believe stuff because they don't have any proof of it. They believe we're going to eventually find these things. Well, wow, we're way behind on finding them because we're 25 million in debt here and only have a quarter million to put up front for collateral. So we should expect if evolution was true that we'd also have a very low percentage of living animals that are in the fossil record. The vast majority of animals in the fossil record we should expect if evolution is true would be extinct animals that we no longer are walking on terra firma, okay? That's not what you find. You find the exact opposite. An example, uh, a study done in Europe of mammal species found in the fossil record in Europe demonstrated that 88% of the animals found in the fossil record were the same as the animals that were still walking on top of the ground. So in other words, the deer they found in there was similar to, or if not identical to the deer or the bear they found or the hog they found or the hedgehog they found or the antelope that they found is, well, 
We still got those. There's not a whole lot of difference in their bone structure. If there's a difference, it's in their size. Usually the old ones are bigger, but, but really we have the same animals. We, we really do. 88% of the animals found in the fossil record were still living in Europe. And of the 12% that they didn't find that were living, they found 11 of those 12% living somewhere else on the planet. So 99% of the animals they found in the geological column in the fossil record in Europe in this study uh, were also animals that are still living today, which demonstrates what? Just simple, simple thought, you would say, well, then those things died pretty recently. We haven't had time for there to be many other species evolve, if there's such a thing. Because if, if we had had all that time, we would find them a geologic record, a fossil record. They're not there. The missing links are missing, and they're to the tune of millions. They're missing. Where are they? Where are they? We should expect, if, if evolution were true, that that, was, that would be true, and it's simply not. We should expect, though, if there was a flood, we should expect, among other things, there would be global patterns to a geologic column, and that's exactly what you find. Here's, here's what you can find in any textbook on geology. Uh, starts with banded iron formations at the bottom. 99% of all the world's iron is in one layer distributed all around the world. How did that happen? A according to conventional thought, if the rivers are depositing these things. Uh, rivers just washing down whatever it catches. It's washing down fish, it's washing down mud, it's washing down iron particles, okay. But how did 99% of all the iron wound up in one layer over the entire world? Okay, no explanation for that. It's on the bottom, banded iron formations. Above that, black shale. Above that, coal. Anybody here from coal-producing states? Got West Virginians here, Pennsylvanians? Make a living off of coal? Dirty, nasty stuff, but you know what? They're burning it over in Europe right now because they, they gave up their, their nuclear power and knuckleheads over there, and then, and then Russia pulled the rug out from under them, you know. Yeah. They're learning their lesson. We need to learn ours. I hope we do. Coal is 100 times more abundant than any other layer. Any other layer. Globally. More coal. 100 times more. Tremendous amounts. Again, they won't disagree with this. Tremendous amounts of vegetation somewhere in the past is getting buried. In one layer. In one layer. Distributed all over the world. 100 times more than any other Layer, you got sediment on the bottom, you got sediment on top. Somewhere in the middle is these, these coal bands, and they're massive. Tremendous. And it takes, they've estimated, I didn't get the numbers for you, the number of trees and animals that it would take to produce, uh, you know, just one, like one acre of coal with a one foot uh, depth in, in the layer. Tremendous amount of vegetation, again, demonstrates that something was very different in the past. Because if you round up all of our plants and animals and stuff them down there and put them under a ton of pressure and hide them under the earth for a very long time or however long it takes, and some of it turns into diamonds, by the way. That's where your diamonds come from. Uh, it would take, you know, like 10 times the amount of vegetation that we currently have on the planet to produce the stuff we've got on the ground. Again, that's why they conjecture, see, that it's taken billions and billions of years. Well, if it took billions and billions of years, how'd they wind up in one layer? They don't answer that question for you. They just kept digging down and, you know, stuffing the plants down in the layer and then bury them and then we'd get more plants to die. We'd dig down and stuff them back down that layer. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> then underneath that coal or atop of that coal is, again, these are global patterns, uh, cross-bedded sandstones, and then there can be coal on top of that sometimes, but mostly, most of your coal is only in one, 
uh, one, one layer. Go to any continent, you'll find the exact same thing in the exact same order. So I don't know about y'all, but stuff happens differently here than it happens wherever you're from. Northern, you know, southern BC, northern, northern Ontario, northern Minnesota, uh, Winnipeg. Stuff is different here than it is where you are. And that, no shocker, right? That's not new information. We know that because things are different. I mean, it's colder there, it's hotter there, it's uh, wetter there, it's drier there, it's windier there. I mean, things are different today in different places. And, and we all know that that is true. But something in the past, we were all the same. Every one of these layers in the same spot across entire continents, you find the exact same pattern. Uh, again, the conventional thinking has no explanation of this, but a flood, in a flood, global, catastrophic, you would expect these things. The Grand Canyon, as an example, has red wall limestone. Anybody tour the Grand Canyon? They'll talk about the red wall limestone and how in, important it is to demonstrate evolution, et cetera, et cetera. The entire length of the Grand Canyon, 270 miles. It's, by the way, almost in the exact same thickness for that 270 miles. What they don't tell you, or maybe you didn't listen, was that you find at the same level the exact same thickness in Montana, in Tennessee. Something was picking up tremendous amounts of material, hundreds of miles away, and spreading it in almost pure layers over half of a continent. What system do you know of is doing that today? That's not a local flood, and it's on every continent. Again, these are, these are, these are global patterns. These are not Texas patterns or United States patterns. These are global patterns. So some force in the past was spreading sediment over tens of thousands of square miles. The layers uh, are thick and relatively pure, and their sources are 100 miles away. What was that? I said, the Bible has an explanation. That conventional thinking does not. Evidence also shows that, that there was a, whatever system was that was laying this down was laying it down almost all in the same direction from east to west, across entire continents. The reason why they know this, we know this. Of course, you're looking at me like I know this. I just read stuff and I tell it to you. It makes me look smart. Isn't that nice? The reason why we know this is because there is a way to know the direction that the water was flowing when the sediment was laid down that caused whatever sandstone or livestone that you're looking at. There is a way to know that. They can test that there are markers within the sediment that says the water was flowing this way or flowing that way. So again, conventional thinking, conventional explanation is that all of these layers underneath us were laid down by the current, what we currently experience. Again, they believe that nothing has changed. They base everything on nothing has changed. The, the East Coast rivers are flowing from west to east, the continental divide, more or less. The southern rivers, the Mississippi and the Sabine and the Rio Grande and the Brazos here, all the Texas rivers, uh, are basically flowing from north to south. And so, of course, they're laying down sediment in that direction. And you can dig underneath these rivers and you can see the sediment that's laid down and the markers demonstrate that. The problem is, is that when you get down below a certain level of all the rivers in all the planet, everything gets wiped off. Everything and these massive layers that are covering half of continents and all, you know, multiple states, these, these, these global patterns, not only are they in global patterns in the sense you find them in the same order, you also find them flowing in the same direction. So across the entire United States, uh, 
red, uh, red wall limestone was being deposited from east to west. What system do you know that does that? Across the Rockies, east to west. What system? Not one that we are currently familiar with. Current system that we have is that southern rivers lay down toward the south and northern rivers lay down toward the north and eastern rivers lay down toward the east. That's all we have to observe. Again, that's what they say to you. It's always been that way. Not the evidence. The evidence says something very different. Conventional thought is no answer for this, but of course we know the answer. God covered the entire earth. Like I said, he was really mad with a flood. We would expect, we've also talked about this one, we would expect there to be well-preserved, I've got to back up to this guy because I just, I wanted to quote this cowboy. Where are you, cowboy? There you are. I don't know why I put him there. He's way back in my order. I think I've slept several times between putting this stuff together, apparently. So we have the illustration from fossils. And of course, you know, 150 years ago, North America had vast herds of buffalo. We've said this. Uh, wandering everywhere from Canada to the Rio Grande. I found teeth, the buffalo teeth, in my hometown on the side of the, side of the bank of a mud bank. They were buffalo teeth. We sent them off. Oh, this buffalo, not cow. Um, everywhere. I have records of a, a Baptist preacher who came to Texas the day the Alamo fell. He crossed the East Texas River. The first buffalo he saw was in Nacogdoches, Texas, all the way over there against the Sabine River, close to the Sabine River. Buffalo all down here in South Texas, just tremendous hordes of, of buffalo. Of course, we know the American Indians lived off of them. Uh, and we know that one of the ways that we white people got rid of the Indians or got, took away their powers, we killed their buffalo by the millions. Here's a statement by George Anderson, American soldier, 1871, as he passed through, I don't know, Nebraska, uh, Kansas, uh, northern Oklahoma, somewhere in there. He says, I am safe in calling this a single herd, he wrote. He said, but it's impossible to approximate the millions that it's composed. It took me six days on horseback to ride through it, talking about just one herd of buffalo that he saw in the southern plains. Dang. We know they were killed. We slaughtered them. American soldiers slaughtered them. We paid people to slaughter them. Again, we were fighting the Indians. We fought them. Uh, couldn't, they were better horsemen than us, and they had faster repeating weapons than we had, and you know, so we took away their food. Um, not, not agreeing with that. I'm just saying that's what we did. And we killed them upon the millions and millions and millions and millions and millions. And in some of these, a uh, good number of these were carted off uh, because once they, the carcasses rotted, the bones were valuable. They made bone meal out of them, and they would come along the wagon trails and along the, the railroads, and they would search for these bones, and they would, they would collect them. But, but they were way more than anybody could collect, and they were in vastly remote areas that, that people wouldn't go to collect them, and yet we have almost no fossils. We have almost no fossil record. The record we have of the killing of the buffalo is pictures. We had cameras. You've seen them with skulls stacked up, you know, 70, 80 feet high, covering entire, you know, acres of ground and all this stuff. And, and uh, so we do have picture records, but we don't have fossil records. And the question is, why not? We know that we have a massive die-off of animals. But something happened to these, or didn't happen to these animals, that was happening to animals in the past that created a tremendous amount of fossils, millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of animals somehow catastrophically killed in the past, buried, unlike the buffalo. The buffalo, we don't have a record of them in the fossils because they, if they weren't picked up, they were just rotted out there and their bones turned to dust and poof, no records. No records. Something in the past, though, there was a massive die-off in the past. Massive, way more than the American buffalo. And everything was getting buried, turned into oil, into gas, into coal, 
and into fossils on the order of magnitude that boggle your brain. What was that? Again, your Bible has a great explanation for it. Conventional thinking does not. They do not. Something was happening, something that didn't happen in the American buffalo did happen to millions upon millions of creatures in the past. So one final example, the trees. How many of you have been to see the redwoods? Bristlecone pines. Have you seen anybody gone to see the Joshua tree or whatever they're called? I can't remember. They have a tree called the Joshua tree, I think. And Anyway, I've not seen either one of them because I'm not a liberal. I don't go over to those crazy places in the world. <laughs> That's what I keep telling my wife. She's desperate to go to California. I'm like, why would we want to go over there? I don't want to be over there. Fruits and nuts over there. Good. They're great people over there. And I'm glad I appreciate them over there. Red, red, redwood and bristlecone pine, redwood tree and bristlecone pine are extremely hardy plants, fire resistant, bug resistant. They do not die from old age or from disease. Yet the oldest of these is about 4,800 years old. You ever ask the question why? So they don't die, but they did die. They don't die, but they did die. And they didn't die on a little bitty scale. They died on a really, really big scale, especially the redwoods. The redwoods are populating all the, all the geologic column. Fossil, fossil evidence shows the redwoods are everywhere. Imagine Texas covered with not pine trees. So we have to grow up any pine, yellow pine in East Texas. Redwoods, redwoods all the way up into the Arctic Circle, all the way down into Mexico. I mean, they find evidence of these fossilized all over the place. Even I've heard people saying there's fossil redwoods on Antarctica. How? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been there. I can't prove it to you. I'm just saying this. I'm just, they're going to throw stuff out. I'm going to throw stuff out. There you go. I think it's down there. <laughs> that, yeah, I, can't prove, I can't prove that. I can prove this, though. So if they're not susceptible to death, what killed them? The oldest ones we have, 4,800 years. Why do we not have, if everything has stayed the same, Groves of these things, 5,000, 6,000, 10,000, 20,000 years old. If they don't die, but they did die, what killed them? Something wiped them out. I mean, across the entire globe. Something turned them into fossils or into coal or oil and gas. In, uh, categorically, what was that? Do you know the answer to that? Something happened 5,000, a little, over, a little less than 5,000 years ago, turned the world upside down, buried once living things, in some cases, miles below the current Earth's surface. I said, he was mad. It happened rapidly, it happened violently, and it happened globally, and the evidence is tremendous. I said, you really, really have to put on some big old blinders to ignore this evidence. Tremendous amount of evidence. God used, again, the event of the judgment of that flood as a prototype for the future. He predicates, Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I did, by the way, put that slide up here. I know I did. There it is. There it is. Just couldn't get them in the right order. So he predicates, he, he tells us, it's going to be just like that. They weren't expecting it. They weren't seeing it, and they all got wiped out, and now you know how it's going to be in the future. That's the prototype. you got a prototype. You're sitting on top of tremendous, and we'll talk about this next time, 
But uh, the evidence of the amount of water that used to be in the past, a lot less. Uh, the Rio Grande, the, 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 the cut in the bedrock of the Rio Grande goes all the way out to the continental shelf. It's 100 miles offshore, 80 miles offshore. Texas was way bigger. This would not be South Padre. You'd be somewhere way in the middle of South Texas right now. 80 miles offshore. So the rivers were dumping out there sometime in the past. Sometime since the past, we've gotten a bunch more water. And now the Rio Grande dumps, you know, six miles south of here. And it's true all the way along the coast, almost all of our coasts are the same way. These huge cuts in the bedrock. By the way, there's a huge cut in the bedrock between the Rio Grande and Corpus Christi. Do you notice the big river you cross between here and Corpus Christi? There ain't one. It's gone. It's as big, almost as big as the cut in the bedrock. That's the Rio Grande. But the river is poof now. All sediment, uh, sediment in. It's got the flow wherever it came from. Uh, got cut off. I know this. I, uh, the reason why I know these things is because I had a geologist that worked for Shell Oil, who's a member of my church and in uh, my former church. And uh, he was part of Shell Oil exploration, geological exploration, all over South Texas, all over. Every, he has some great stories of stuff that, that he found and saw. And so, anyway, I appreciated him. So we'll stop right there. Questions? Yes, sir. Can you comment on the so-called ice ages? Comment on the ice ages? Uh, yes, they happened. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, again, everything we hear, everything you hear is conjecture. What you're going to hear from me is about, about, but I'm about to say is conjecture. The conjecture is, uh, given, given creation was that part of, part of the collapse, and here's one of the things we didn't talk about, but one, of course, it says that the fountains of the great deep and the, and the reservoirs of the heavens opened up. So what were the reservoirs of the heavens? Rains for 40 days and 40 nights. There's conjecture that this earth was canopied in the past. What do I mean by canopy? You have a, you, one of our closest planets. Uh, um, what is our closest planet? Let's say we have Mars, and then we have, huh? Not Mercury. What somebody said it? Venus. Venus. There you go. Is a canopy. Is a canopy planet by gases, and what what happens? What it does? It does a number number of things. Increases the the barometric pressure on the planet tremendously. You got a very high barometric pressure because you've got these you've got this very thick canopy. Not not just clouds. I mean, it's a canopy. It truly has no breaks in it. The sun doesn't penetrate to the ground. The UV lights do, and so that canopy holds in the heat. It, uh, that, that, that planet is way hotter than our planet on average because it creates this, this um, 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 I'm short on words greenhouse effect there's the word you know that word because we talk about that if there was a canopy a water canopy for instance around the earth it would very much change our environment uh, it would make us much, at least, un more, much more uniform. The, the, north, the cold north wouldn't be the cold north, and the south, the south, south and the north would not be a whole lot different. Because what you have in a greenhouse is you have a, you know, a, a stratification of, of temperatures. They, they all basically, and, and again, they, 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 they argue this because they say something obviously was different in the past. People lived much longer, and animals were much bigger. There was a much more animals, and there were animals living in places, lots of them, that they don't live today, like I said, Antarctica, uh, north of the Arctic Circle, 
How do these animals live in the conditions that we currently have? Well, the answer is partly, possibly could have not been different back then, and maybe it could have been this canopy. I say all that to say that the conjecture is that this canopy, as it unraveled, it, it lo we lost the, the uniformity of temperatures across the planet, and the northern and southern poles become very cold. So the water that dumps on the northern and southern, uh, dumps in the middle becomes water. The water that dumps up north becomes ice, like tons of it. Theory on buffalo? What about it? Do I like it? If I understand you correctly, there is no uh, evidence of that species prior to the flood. Oh, no, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of species prior to the flood. Buffalo. Oh, no, tremendous. They were bigger. Almost every case, the animals, the same animals were much bigger. No, the buffalo were, were everywhere. I mean, we have buffalo. They were, they were all over all the continents. I mean, they weren't just, the United States is famous for our buffalo herds. But the buffalo were, were everywhere. They were all over Europe, all over northern, all over uh, Asia, and uh, and something decimated them. You know, we know what happened in 1870s. It was you know American American cowboy and American soldier. So, did I, did I answer your question sort of? So that's the conjecture. You know, you had had a big water dump, and when you lose the the uniformity of temperatures, we we get to where we are today. That the, the northern climes above a certain, certain area are always freezing. So you dump water on that, you get, you get ice. So you have these huge, another conjecture is a possibility of that in addition to our, our uh, again, they're just conjectures, but the canopied earth, there was possibly an ice comet that passed close and that ice comet being disintegrated would have dumped a bunch of ice on the poles. Because they do, the poles are, are magnetic, of course. They, when something disintegrates in the at, above the atmosphere, stuff gets pulled to the poles, not necessarily directly down. So, yes, sir. Would you uh, put up that slide of our family tree again? Uh huh. I think that shows how old the Earth is. It gives you uh, it gives you about six thousand years. That we have we have good we have these good records though in the past, but once we get down below Jacob. Uh, we start losing, the, the Bible doesn't always record their ages. And so we kind of lose, we know people lived less uh, after that. Of course, you know, look how the, look how the ages drop off. Um, but, and they're much, much older in the past. The ages dropped off. The problem is we don't have, we have genealogies. Of course, the Bible gives us genealogies of the Jews. We start, starts with Abraham, but it doesn't tell us how old they are. And so it's kind of hard for us to, to determine. We know more or less. Like I said, 2,000 years basically from Adam to the flood, 2,000 years from, from the flood to, to Noah, I'm sorry, to, to Abraham. What did I say? 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, 2,000 years from Jesus to us, so roughly 6,000 today, roughly. Something else. It's all real good. Something you always want to ask the Baptist preacher, but never could. <laughs> yeah, you got a shot now. Go. What about icebergs? I'm sorry? Icebergs. What about icebergs? Yeah. How would that affect? Uh, it would have, the same as glaciation. Uh, they're, they're glaciers. They're, icebergs are, are calved off, as they call them, glaciers floating in the, in the water. Uh, yeah, you would, you would think that that not only would be there, you know, the north would be solid ice if we had a big water dump like that and we lost our, our continu continual warmth across the earth.
but also you would have all these gigantic icebergs. I mean, you can imagine what, you know, the, the guys that were trying to swim through the flood, they had it rough because, man, they, like I said, God was mad at them. So you get crushed with all these icebergs and you get ran over by an ark and then you get buried under a thousand foot of dirt. You, you know, you get the, they got the picture. I'm thinking they do now. In fact, it, it talks about Jesus after his death and before his resurrection that he goes down to the belly of the earth to speak to those who were disobedient before the times of the flood. It refers to both uh, human and demonic uh, uh, hordes. But that's um, what Peter says. Goes down basically to say, you were wrong. <laughs> you know, they know, they know. Believe me, they know. Yes, ma'am. Take Adam and Noah. I don't understand the blackened part. Yeah. The different uh, right. numbers okay. in it. All right. So the the number. Let's look at Adam. The number all the way to the left zero is when he was born yeah. or created. 130 is how old he was when his next his next of kin was born, Seth. The the middle number is how old his total number of years were. And the last number on the right is the year that he died. Of course, he was born at zero, lived 930 years, so he died at 930. Everybody else have different numbers at the front compared to the numbers that are in the middle. Does that make sense? Huh? So Noah was born in 1056. He lived 500 years before Seth and Shem, Ham, and Japheth. It says they were all born when he was 500 years. I don't know if they were triplets or what. He lived a total of 950 years. He died in 2006. You know, BC, BC, not BC, because, well, that is BC, but it's, it's reckoned different. You're reckoning from zero up, whereas BC is reckoned from the birth of Christ, you know, backwards. So, yes, sir, Charlie? So, the fish. The fish. Okay, so was it the great pressure that put, put them into the sedimentary layers, too? Yeah. Where the fish survived? I mean, they, they, yeah, they, the they didn't they get on the ark, and it doesn't say anything about water creatures being on the ark, not just fish, but anything that swimmed, everything that was on the land including birds, were placed on the ark by their kinds. There's a difference between a kind and a species. We're going to talk about that next time. Be careful about that. But if you're going to put every species on the ark, two by two, you're not fitting them on the ark. Every kind, you can do that. Because a kind is a cat. cat has a lot of species. Cat, a house cat and a, house cat and a, and a lion aren't a whole lot different ge genetically. There's not a lot of difference between them. Now, you can't breed them. They are different species. But they're, they're of the same kind. You can eventually get. We we have done it. We we have bred everything in a dog, everything from a Chihuahua to a to a Alaskan Malamute, and we've got everything, and we we pretty much did that. We we bred that into these, but but they're, you know, they're all one kind. Our, you know, the, the wolves are all the same of the same kind as the fox, as are the coyotes and other things. They're all of the dogs, if you will. So, but it, did I answer your question? So some of the fish. So fish, yeah, not all of them because you have a lot of them that are in the in the uh, fossil record. But they were there was water, you know. Everything that walked and breathed air didn't survive. Everything that didn't walk and didn't breathe air had a, had a chance of survival. Didn't make it on the ark. So are there uh, fish fossils up in the mountains? There? Absolutely. The fossil I have in my office, which is a great one, comes from I think New Mexico. They're everywhere. Like I said, the tops of the mountains, most of the tops of the mountains in Colorado right now are sedimentary rock. That rock was laid down by water. And there are many think that those mountains weren't there prior to the flood. 
that we're going to talk about, there's, you know, because they say, well, you know, it covered all the mountains. The mountains weren't very tall back then, quote, unquote. Well, it says they came to rest on Mount Ararat. And Mount Ararat, it's not a shabby mountain. We're going to look at that, the numbers next time and just see, you know, what it, what it says and why, why, why that's, a, that's a really big deal. When they say tall mountains, they, they, they weren't messing around. Jeff? Like clean and unclean. So what made yeah, the clean ones were gathered by the f by fives, and the unclean by twos. Well, we have the clean and unclean description in the law of Moses, where he talks about the ones they were able to eat and not eat, the ones they were able to sacrifice and not sacrifice. So these animals were on there because when they got off the boat, we saw last time they were allowed to eat those animals, the clean animals. It wasn't just a Jewish system; becomes codified in the Old Testament law, which was Jewish. But it was a system that God had already established, even though it wasn't in the, it wasn't in the law of Moses. You know, Moses didn't exist yet. So clean and unclean based upon the animals that you can eat and, and not eat. God had acceptable animals and not acceptable animals. Prior to the flood, there was no such thing as clean. It didn't matter because you weren't technically allowed to eat animals, even though I, you know, I don't have any doubt that they did. Genesis 5 and 11. Genesis 5, yeah. All the way through, yeah. Gives us our ages. Takes us all the way to 2253, which is when Jacob dies, all the way from Adam, and we're able to link those together. Again, um, can we prove this? I can't prove it to you. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says, just laying out for you. You have to decide whether you believe it or not. That's your business, between you and God. I, I can recommend I've already told you you're not very smart. <laughs> so you're going, to put yourself, you're going to post yourself up against what Jesus and the writers of the Bible said was accurate, and you're going to say it's not accurate. Like I said, you can be, you can be that full of yourself. Yes, sir. Right. It's a yeah, shape. It's a shape that's covered up with said with dust, dirt, mm -hmm. but it's the exact shape of Noah's Ark. That mm -hmm. size for new Bible, and they found steel where the rivets would have been. Right. But the Turkey, Turkish government won't allow them to excavate it. Right. It's on. It's on a board between them and, and uh, whatever the next guy's over. They have a lot of border problems. So, but yeah, I've seen. I've seen some of that. That came out. In the, they had some of that stuff that came out in the seventies. I remember watching it as a kid, uh, and really enjoyed that. Uh, the Bible doesn't, doesn't in any way set out and try to explain to you or prove to you that, the, that this stuff exists. It just tells you. Just, here's what happened. This is what happened. Moves on to the next topic. You, you know, you don't want to believe it. That's your business. Um, but God doesn't try to explain how he's a trinity. He doesn't try to explain how he created things six days, 24-hour consecutive days. He just tells you that he did that. And move on. Um, so, but, but uh, you, you can see this is, this is during this time. So these guys here would have been, if, if, this, if the Bible is true, and I believe that it is, these guys, you, you have Noah that knows where the ark is. Shem that knows where it is. He lives till, till Jacob is 50 years old. So it's been common knowledge. Yeah, we've seen the ark. It's up there. You know, it's, everybody knows what that thing is. So it's only in recent years that we've started disputing stuff like this. It was not disputed in the past. It was other things were believed, but like I said, all of our old traditions, all, all of our old cultures had this flood event, global. Yes, ma'am. I'm wondering if that chart is online. <coughs> that exactly isn't. 
because that was created by a youth pastor that we had here in the past. Now, you did pull it out of your, what was your Bible, honey? Right, but we couldn't, we didn't have it in any kind of um, form. You couldn't put it, you can't lay down two pages of a Bible on a copy machine and copy it. So he just went and created it on a, on a uh, computer program. And it's not to scale because like I said, 1656 is when the earth, the flood comes. It's when Methuselah dies and notice the Methuselah's life here doesn't butt up against the, the dotted line. And he, he was, he did, he did a way better job than I would have done. So I was happy to have it, but uh, it's just, it's just one. It is on your website. I did, yeah, I put it on there. It's on there. And you can get it. You can click on the little clicking button there that we have back there. Or go on islandbaptistchurch.info or .org. And look up our notes. Underneath the notes of last week's uh, study is, is this chart. And I believe you can, well, just like the notes, not believe. I know you can download it. You can get it for yourself. It's just good to study. Just, just look at it. Uh, just, a, just a good visual. Um, but it's nothing that's not already in your Bible. It just helps you see stuff better. So, yes, sir. I'm not to the 10,000th power, yeah. Did they just, uh, I guess, to the, whatever, the scientific community, they just disregard that, saying that the whole bunch of population collapses, or how do you... Well, even though they all along say that nothing happened in the past and things have always been the same, when you bump up against those big numbers like that, they say, well, things happened in the past that we know nothing about. Okay, so they're, you know... They, you know, they need to run for office somewhere because they sound like people that run for office to me. <laughs> the story changes every time you hit them with the facts. So, wow, they, what, maybe they should think of a new career. Something else? Perfectly clear then. Great. So let's pray. God, I just thank you uh, so much for uh, your word. Thank you that we can trust it. Lord, I know that you've given us the ability to think and to reason, and uh, we thank you, God, that uh, the best thing we can do with that reasoning, with that thinking, is turn it over to you and say, God, lead us, help us. Um, if this world wasn't a dangerous place, if it wasn't infested with wolves that lie to us, then, then we would be okay. But uh, because we are sheep in the midst of wolves, we have to be so very careful. So first of all, God, we want to acknowledge you as our shepherd. You're the king. Um, you have a right to say to us whatever you want, and we have the privilege of obeying you. So God, we Thank you for that. Thank you for our time. Thank you for these faithful uh, to come and faithful to watch online. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.